everybody if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain it's free there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify apple podcast and many more you can make money on your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody. My name is Josh Maria, and I'd like to welcome you guys back to the Extra Duty Podcast. This is the second time I'm doing this, so <laughs> um, real quick, make sure my sponsors, uh, you know, Brainwash Coffee Company is a phenomenal co- coffee company, and if you guys use the code Extra Duty, you get 20% off. Um, they donate 50% of all their profits to, um, you know, rehab facilities and nonprofit organizations that help um, drug addiction and rehab. Um, today here with me, I have Boy Pretzel. What's up, Boy Pretzel? Uh, <laughs> what's wow. up, boy? Pretzel, how what's you doing? <laughs> Muted, straight out the gate. Let's get it. Um, hey, how you doing, Hercules and Herc? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Um, and we also have Todd. What's up, Toddy? Hi. And our special guest for today is Nate McDonald. Um, with Irrelevant Warriors. What's up, Nate? How you doing? <laughs> Oh, it's close, man. You butchered the organization's name too, but that's all right. Oh my god, <laughs> dog! No, what the fuck is up with you? Today? So there's like, a big difference shit. between irrelevant and irreverent. We're definitely reverent. Yeah, you guys are reverent. I'm sorry. I, you know what it is, is that I've, <laughs> I've look for that's for those listening out there. I've been fucking up all day for, today. <laughs> for all those irrelevant warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's what, like, you've been telling us this whole time, too, though. It's like, you've been fucking it up, like, since day one. No, it's not even, it's not even that. It's just, like, I feel like today, I'm I'm so stressed out today because, one, we, we, this is a new set, um, and we're, we're gonna post some stuff up about this, but this is our new set, and it took us, like, an hour to get this ready, right? Yeah. I showed up the last 10 minutes. It shows your commitment. Yeah, I was busy. I, I think it's just the fact that you're in a new atmosphere, so it's just throwing you off. Oh, so it. I'm just all fucked up because yeah. of it. Okay. But uh back I just uh so you said it's irreverent warriors? Yep. So yep. Could irreverent you, like, warriors. Can you explain what irreverent means? Because I don't know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I t- I talked to Donnie like two or three times. He's the founder of the organization. I told him I was like, of of all the names you were gonna give an organization that supports Dumbass veterans. It's got to be irreverent, but that's all right. So, <laughs> so irreverent is dealing with something that's usually handled with uh, decorum, respect, um, modesty, and kind of dealing it with a, almost a, a flair that it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really have a whole lot of power over you. You joke about it, have, have fun with it. Um, so in kind of context of our mission, Reverent Warriors is about Treating something like veteran suicide, it's a very serious issue, with a little bit of disrespect. We, we're not going to give it uh, credence. We're not going to hush around it. Uh, we're going to hit it the way we always hit trauma and, and darkness in our lives and throw a sick joke at it and march on. We, we, and, we, and, and that's my, the main reason why I even hit you up all those weeks ago. Well, I think it was about a month ago. We, me and you spoke um, first. And it's because you guys' mission is exactly where we're headed towards, where we're just trying to give a platform for other service members to come and talk. And, you know, 
I, I, I've been looking at you guys March, and if you guys are watching, you guys check out the, 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 the photos we're going to be posting. We're all wearing pit vipers, all right? Oh, yeah. Pit vipers, if you're listening, we want you to sponsor us. And my video will be in soon. Yeah, we're sending that VHS tape. <laughs> it's going to be a whole VHS tape, and they don't even know that we're going to send it. I mean, they should because I tagged them a couple times. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But, you know, we're all wearing these, these pit vipers. But um, when you guys are out there, you guys march a lot, don't you? We do, yeah. Um, I mean, I would say the distance is decreasing over time. Uh, the first hike that I coordinated, we did a full 22 kilometers plus. And it, almost, it was almost 15 miles. Uh, and of course I carried weight and all that. And I don't know, 75, a hundred hikes later, I, I don't really put weight in my pack. <laughs> <laughs> Usually our events are like between six and 10 miles now. So um, we, we, you, 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 I mean, you know about our event coming up, <laughs> our, our 1500 mile walk across the entire border. Oh no, yeah. No, no, no. 1945. Oh, 1945. Um, that is the actual distance that this councilman is going to be walking. Um, just so you're tracking, this episode is going to be posted very soon. It's going to be jumping a couple of other people, but I'm sorry, people that I promised I'll post your episode soon. <laughs> um, no, but you know, we're excited because, you know, we, we are hopefully, uh, going to get in contact with your people up in Texas and see if they can help us or even in California. Cause that's where it's starting. Um, and get some people down there and, you know, get more people walking and talking about the event, um, which we're going to be doing a live stream of. So I'm hoping that you guys at least watch the live stream and share it. Um, so for those that, you know, for, 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 the, for, for my people out there, can we go ahead and talk about what, what you do in the military? Where were you at? Um, well, give us a little background on you. Yeah, sure. So um, first of all, uh, I came from a family that didn't have a lot of military experience. Um, a couple of my uncles served in uh, some capacity, but I never really heard about it. The only um, military culture that I got to experience growing up was my grandfather. He served as a half-track half commander in World War II. And anytime he spoke of his service, he didn't tell these war stories or talk about how amazing it was to kill Nazis. Uh, it, was, it was all just this, this glow that he had, this pride, this intrinsic pride he had about his service. And uh, that was something I always wanted to experience growing up. So that was kind of my, my, I guess, push toward the door as far as joining service. So where, where'd you go? Did you decide to be a uh, super cool guy and join the Marines? Or did you say, hey, yeah, I'm going to be a real, real soldier, an <laughs> army man? Or did you just give up and become an Air Force guy? <laughs> we don't count the Navy. <laughs> so, so I had almost no process developed. Um, by the time I went to join the military... I had um, already gone to college and went to police academy, was a dive master, did a bunch of other random stuff, and then uh, joined at 21, or I guess joined right before I turned 21. Um, and then <laughs> that whole process leading up to me joining, I really, I knew I wanted to join the military, serve my country. I didn't know how, um, didn't know a whole lot about the process. So next town over, little podunk town, Baraboo, Wisconsin. They have this strip mall, and in this tiny strip mall, it's all the services like back to back to back. And uh, of course, I mean, I hinted at you know dumbass veterans earlier. Um, I I know there's a whole gamut of intelligence values. Don't feel offended. I call myself a dumbass vet sometimes too. But um, <laughs> look at Todd. I was watching. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching people. Uh, you know, walk into an office and another office, and I was like, hey, I got to do this logically. So screw it. I'll go left to right. 
And I did commit to myself that I was going to go in every office before I picked one. So I went in the first office and it was the Air Force and they were like, yo, man, like you want to you want a service that's going to take care of you. We only get the best of the best. If you're smart enough, we'll accept you and went through the whole spiel. And I was like, OK, I mean, great, great to know. Appreciate the info. Walked out, uh, walked in the next one. It was the Navy. And, you know, they talked about their history and, you know, the most powerful military force in the world and uh, all their resources and opportunities. And, you know, you can be a SEAL or you can go, you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Got it. So did that all the way down the line. The Army, they even had a Coast Guard recruiting station in this town. Those exist? Wow. Yeah. They do. They Holy do shit. I thought people just accidentally fell into that. <laughs> yeah. They like I mean, failed out too, of Navy man. school and went to Coast Guard. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like when you when you reclass and you, you fail out of everything and then you end up just becoming a cook. I feel like like the Coast Guard is just the cook of the military. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then uh, unless you've seen that one movie, I, I, I don't remember the name of it, but there's one cool guy, uh, Coasty movie. If it had Tom Cruise in it, I agree, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Me either. I lost it. Somebody will know. But um, so anyway, I get into the Marine Corps office, and I think it was second to last. And I walked in, and this dude's just chilling uh, in this crispy uniform, chilling behind the desk. And he, he abruptly stands up when I walk in the room, and he just kind of eyeing me up. And I was expecting to get his pitch, you know. I just got a five-minute, ten-minute pitch from all these services. I was ready for it. And he doesn't really say a whole lot. And then he's kind of like, hey, what do you want? I was like, well, I I don't know. I want to join the Marine Corps, Army, Navy, something. I want to serve my country. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, You sure you want the Marine Corps? I was like, I don't know, man. You're supposed to tell me. (laughs) Do I want the Marine Corps? And he's, he's like, yeah, man, so uh, here's the deal. If, if you're not sure you want to join the Marine Corps, don't freaking join the Marine Corps. Walk, <laughs> just walk out the door, all right? I'm not going to try to sell you on it. We're the greatest fighting force in the world. Uh, screw off. Oh, so he threw a little flex in there? The <laughs> uh, fuck? <laughs> he threw a little flex. Was that reverse <laughs> just, just a little bit at the end. So uh, I went to walk out, and he's like, all right, thought you would. And I was like, oh, oh my what? God. That's, you're talking trash. I haven't even left the office. But um, then I walked to the last one, you know, much of the same experience as far as like, I'm going to pitch you on this service. Here's exactly. And this is 2005. So, I mean, there was stuff going on. Yeah. And uh, so I went home and uh, I sit down at the table. My parents are like, all right, so what are you thinking? I was like, so I'm going to join the Marine Corps. He no ball. <laughs> so you're telling me you got no balls into joining the Marine Corps, essentially. Yeah. No, dude. no balls. So, so the thing that was so attractive to me is all these other services were like selling me on it, and he was like, "Nah, man, like Marine Corps sells itself, man. Join or don't." And it was it was just kind of interesting. It's like, hey, do you do you want in this or not? What a but, horrible mistake. Yeah, he, pro- <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he probably got your ass. <laughs> he probably had a terrible day or something, or just you know wasn't motivated because he already hit his quota. But did you? Out. Did you? So I mean, obviously, and we we only joke about. I mean, all all branches of military is it's phenomenal. I mean, we love every branch. Um, of you know, course. except the Navy and Coast Guard. But um, you know, we <laughs> we love all the branches, and 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 my my biggest thing with you is like Nate. So you joined the Marines. What did what 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 was your job in the Marines, right? And what happened to you in the Marines that made you want to get out? <laughs> so, <laughs> you seem so, so positive. Uh, yeah. So I, I did my research after you know identifying that the Marine Corps was the one, and uh, of course the next thing that I figured out was that I wanted to go recon. It's like for sure, 
that's that's where I'm going. And obviously, the logical path, or I guess the common path to that, is join O three eleven, get enough schools, uh, right trajectory, don't ruin your career or break yourself, and maybe someday you'll get a shot. So I went up to the office, and I'd already taken my ASVAB, and I was like, "Yo, dude, O three eleven, it is. I, you know, I want to be recon someday." And he's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> he's like, "You might want to talk to a few folks." So I, I went around and, and talked to some people and found out that I could do a lot of what I wanted to do as far as, you know, tactics and uh, special forces side of things and still get a clearance. So I was like, yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a jam. So I ended up joining uh, as a 2621, which when I told my recruiter what I wanted, he didn't know what it was. Uh, he opened up his binder and he's like uh it's one of those hidden mos's he's like it says intelligence ground warfare but that's all i got for you homie um so i ended up joining as a uh, intelligence ground warfare so how long did you serve for uh served for almost six years wait what what is an intelligence ground warfare like i that that <laughs> sounds cool but uh like what exactly do they do because i've never heard those words put together at all. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, they do a number of things. Uh, my specialty was uh, just locating people. So it was um, direction finding. Uh, Expensive I, hide and seek. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> Military grade hide and seek. Like, yeah. I used uh, a combination of intelligence capabilities to uh, locate things. That's that's extremely it. badass, by the way. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, like what the heck? Like, I mean, the training stuff, was uh, the training. Obviously, was was you know it was long to to go through that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was terrible, man. <laughs> I went to my I went to my A school. The uh, basic training was fine. Uh, went to um, you know the combat school uh, that everybody goes to because every Marine's a rifleman and shit, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then um, went on to Pensacola where my A school was and I started learning, you know, science and technology. And I was like, this, this blows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah. so can you, let's talk about your service a little bit. Um, you know, uh, and you know, we have a lot of young soldiers that, so our demographic is actually, you know, like 18 to about 30 that, you know, that demographic of still younger NCOs, young soldiers. So, what what is something that you were you going through anything while you know during your time because obviously we talk about mental health here anything you was going through yeah yeah i went through, i went through a lot so i ended up uh long story short here i'll kind of oh no 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 point. long story long let's send it <laughs> send it Damn. here we go <laughs> so um <laughs> finished a school um i was told if i got honor grad that i could pick my duty station right that's that always happens so i did i went through, got my honor grad, and I put, I wanted to go um, recon, which is for second, third radio battalions. That's that's where I could make my quickest entrance. So uh, they, they sent me to Fort Meade, Maryland. Oh, <laughs> Holy Wait, shit. what? So found out that that was where NSA is located Yep. and, and got there, and I was terrified. I was like, crap, I'm going to be in a dungeon, being an analyst, like something is wrong. So I did what any intelligent young Marine would do, and I requested MAST on my first day. Well, I, I'm so. sorry. What's MAST for, for those that aren't? Uh, Todd Marines. does not look happy at so, all. <laughs> <laughs> Todd is so the most unhappy. <laughs> so requesting MAST is when uh, somebody that doesn't know better 
uh, takes advantage of the open door policy that the CO offers. Wow. So, so the commanding officer is like, hey, man, anybody that needs to talk to me, <clears throat> open door, request mask, come on in, I got you. So I did that. Um, <laughs> Your first day, bro. Yeah, my first day. All right. So, <laughs> respect for that. All right. So, so Major Reed, uh, I think it was Major Reed at the time, sitting behind the desk, big old dude. And uh, he let me talk. And I was like, hey, man, I didn't sign up for this crap. I wanted to be tactical. And I'm an NSA. And I'm going to be an analyst. And, you know, all that crap. And said something along the lines of, you know, if I wanted to do that, I would have joined a different service and probably made some disparaging comments about the Air Force. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, it, was, it was a good 10 minutes. And he just let me go on. And I, I was shocked because I have expected somewhere along the line he was going to yell at me. And uh, he, he stopped, and then I paused, and he's, he goes, well, are you, are you done, Marine? I was like, I mean, I guess. And he's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I guess. He's like, all right, well, uh, lock it up then, because, one, I've never had somebody request mass while they're checking in. Uh, that's a newbie. But he's like, uh, also, uh, you, you got honor grad. Uh, ran a first class PFT out of your A school, and I've never seen anybody get sent to where you're going out of A school. So he's like, "You have all the opportunity in the world here. Shut up and, and just do your job." So it ended up being being really exciting. Uh, I ended up working with special projects, which means I had a very unconventional Marine Corps experience from that point forward. Um, but um, yeah, my love did a bunch of stuff, went to a bunch of places, and then my last deployment. In 2011 to Afghanistan, uh, I had a couple things happen throughout the deployment. Um, accidentally fell out of a Black Hawk, uh, accidentally on purpose. Um, we were <laughs> so we were we were supposed to do a touch and go. Like they were just gonna friggin' just touch skids, and we were gonna bail out the sides, right? Full kit uh, and an, and and some extra. So we. Touchdown, we all felt the bounce. We get the go ahead. My buddy and I turn toward each other and yell, slap hands and uh, connect with a great high five and bail out the sides. Unfortunately, in that two and a half seconds where we turned and slapped hands, uh, the helicopter caught a little bit of a riser and we ended up being about 15, 20 feet off the ground. <laughs> Damn. Oh, shit. Uh, God, fuck. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Look. So I hurt I hurt my back. Uh dude I was with broke his femur. Uh, God. So Damn. <laughs> Holy they shit. They load they loaded us up and hauled us back. And then toward the end of that deployment, um I caught something to the dome piece and uh went out like a light. Ended up uh having a skull fracture. Um so they sent me back um shortly thereafter. I did, the, I did the whole thing, you know. They sent me back to the medical tent. They were like, oh, no, no, I've been busted in the head before. Hey, it's no big deal. What'd you catch? What'd you, what'd you, catch, what'd you catch to the head? Oh, no idea. It, it messed up my Kevlar uh, pretty bad. but So uh, you don't know if it was a round or what? Oh, uh, hey. And the camera died. Hey, that's all right. Uh, you, you, thought, you didn't know it was a, a round? Oh, no. No, not, not certain. I mean, we're assuming, but it's, I, I wasn't around for that part of it. So. Jeez Louise. Oh. Yeah. So, um, ended up, they were like, yeah, man, uh, no big deal. And I was like, yeah, no big deal. I've had TBIs before. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I heard so that I, before. I puked for a while and, uh, ate some Motrin and drank a bunch of water and sat around in a tent until I felt completely useless and then went out and tried to do stuff. 
had no balance, uh, still couldn't eat, um, still nauseous, and uh, realized that it might be something a little bit more than uh, than just a concussion. Yeah. So yeah. and and once again, I was like, "Hey, bro, a couple weeks, this will pass. I've been through this before." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's not how it went that time. So they sent me back to the states, and shortly thereafter, I was told I either um, stay in and be strategic, or I can get out and uh, do whatever I want. But tactical was done for me. And uh, I was like, well, that's the whole reason I joined the Marine Corps. So I guess I'm out. So uh, that was that was the first time, talking about mental health, that's the first time my mental health took a huge hit. Prior to that, no matter what I saw, had experienced, been through, lost, I was fine. Bounced off it and rolled on. But uh, this one, this hit me personal. It was my pride, right? Yeah. It was... Uh, I, I lost my ability to be there for my brothers. I, I was going home. They were going to keep deploying, and I couldn't have their backs. Um, and then on top of that, you know, just feeling like you're, you're broken, insufficient. You can't mm-hmm. do your job anymore. You lose your purpose, um, and it starts a downward spiral. So, yeah, that was, that was the start to uh, a really, really devastating time in my life. Yeah, I feel like that's like a, a common thing why people are so scared to get out the army or like the military in general, you know, especially like doing stuff like that. You know, something happens, you get injured and you get out. And now you're just like in this limbo state where you're just like, now what? Well, like, for me also in the same aspect, it was you you have that chink in your armor now. Yeah. And that was the one thing that really messed me up. It was like, dude, I was Superman. Like, you tell me to go through a brick wall, went through a brick wall with a smile on my face and came on the other side and said, fuck it, what's next? You know, and then you realize, hey, dude, I, I'm broke. I'm not, I'm not whole. My, my, my armor's not whole. Like, you know, that, that, that started messing with me big time more than anything. That, that's how yeah. I felt, too, because, like, I've had my injuries, too, and everything. Most of my injuries happen, in, like, in training area. Like, fortunately, I haven't had, you know, I haven't deployed, um, experience like everything else everyone experienced kind of do but at the same time you know kind of happy i haven't um bro an injury is an injury yeah so but going forward um i've after all those injuries I always told myself I was like i'm still like super strong you know what i mean i'm still in, in shape and everything i had a concussion recently uh from skateboarding and it was like i barely even hit my head and then like i was out for like a month or two after that i was like fuck man like I I cannot can no longer do the things I enjoy and I have to like be super safe now like I am now weak and that like really messed with my head for a while. You know, and I feel yeah. like uh, most of that feeling comes from you know if people are anything like me or others that have joined they joined like at eighteen it's like the only thing they know they had like maybe a job at Walmart or the local grocery store but, like the military is the only thing they know so once they leave they feel like their purpose is just gone. You know, that's a, yeah, that's a huge part of it, and that's the that's the only like supportive adult culture they've ever been a part yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, that's. And the weird. second you leave it, it's never going to be the same. It just isn't. It's like, but yeah, um, so I reacted really gracefully. Um, of course, I was like, "All right, I'm not good enough for you, Marine Corps. I got you." So I started doing contracting. Um, started hitting up a few different organizations that are are very well known in that category. And uh, started hitting ops again. And um, same time, you know, I had by that point, uh, I had uh, a wife and a daughter. They never saw me. Uh, and on top of that, we'd never had the opportunity to reconnect after my last deployment. Like, 
we had had our problems and we, and marriage was on the rocks on and off. But uh, that whole uh, stage of my life, whether it was the you know psychological trauma I was going through, or me just being a dummy, um, or me trying to feel like I had to prove something to everyone, um, mostly myself, I just disconnected and did my thing and uh, uh, lost my marriage. That also meant that my baby girl, Grace, uh, she was just over a year at that point. Um, she, uh, nah, she was a little bit older than that, but she, she went, uh, summers to go spend time with her mom or I'm sorry, fall and winter. And then I had her during the summer. So I went from having her around all the time, uh, to, to not. And that was one of my other big purposes in life, you know, mm. being a father. So now that was gone. Uh, I had to end up stepping out of contracting one cause I got smart enough to do it. And then, uh, <laughs> number two, I just, uh, you know, it, my body wasn't keeping up anymore. I definitely and so, <clears throat> I feel that. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah. So then it was just a really dark spiral. And I remember, uh, when I hit, when I hit my rock bottom, I was sitting at my house in North Carolina, a big old place, middle of nowhere, um, in the trees. And it was pitch black out. It was way too early in the morning, way too late in the morning, I guess, to still be up. Yeah. And, and I was just uh, contemplating, thinking, and it was dead silent. And I felt the most alone I ever have been in my life. I like we were talking about um, sense of purpose. That's one of the biggest contributors to uh, mental health issues and suicide. Isolation. That's another big one. Yep. You're feeling feeling like you're alone. Not even necessarily physically alone. Not just because there's nobody else around you, but nobody else understands or is there with you in that moment really gets what you're going through. And and that, um, that that specifically right there is um something that we just actually recently dealt with. Um we had a so we had a service member who was putting themselves inside of that position. And that service member um they they were showing the signs, you know what I'm saying? Of isolating themselves, yeah. keeping themselves away, putting themselves in that position where they don't feel like they're worth anything. And just and and it, when you see those signs, make sure that you say something. But we, we just recently had that, and I'm happy that you said that because a lot of these service members that are here, they don't understand that people, we do feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, higher leadership feels that way. Soldiers feel that way. Every single person does feel that way. And it's not, you're not alone. And you're 100% right, Nate. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. Oh, you're good, man. And uh, yeah, I, I got the whole gamut of them. So we talked about sense of purpose. We talked about isolation, uh, habituation to self-injury, uh, whether it's in combat, a combat injury, or a training injury. It doesn't really matter. You consistently being taught to injure or kill and then encountering pain and injury consistently, that ends up decreasing your mental barriers, um, your, your natural inclination to preserve. To, oh, I'm going to take care of myself. That, that slowly wears it down. And then um, on top of that, there's two more huge ones, and that's uh, lack, you know, the, the lack of belonging. You don't have a team you're a part of. That kind of is similar to sense of purpose. And then the last one is that, that I was dealing with that is a huge contributor to suicide in general is um, just a sense of burdensomeness. You feel like you're more of a burden than you are an asset to the people in your lives and to the, to the world in general. And whether we're talking civilian or military, those risk factors are consistent. Um, obviously, you can add things in like, um, you know, financial problems or um, marital concerns. I was dealing with all those, too. But in the military culture, in the veteran culture, there's a lot more opportunity for you to 
to experience a lot more of them simultaneously. Yeah. And uh, that's why, in my opinion, the the stats communicate that military and veterans are a hundred times more more likely to commit suicide to actually pull the trigger yep. than our <clears throat> civilian counterparts. Because people forget. Um, people, I think a lot of people honestly forget where military stands when it comes to mental health. They think we're just these machines that continue moving and pushing and say, fuck everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's implemented into the service members and themselves to where they're, you know, they're scared, you know, that they're not part of this oiled machine anymore because they're starting to feel like they're broken. They're no longer human. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they, they throw all this hope and everything. And I don't know. It's just, it's fun. Well, that's a combination of, of two things. I mean, there's obviously the hyper-masculinity that we're all kind of ingrained with from yeah. the second we get to basic training, you know? You can do anything. You're capable. It's just a matter of willpower. Stop and, being a bitch. Those yeah. <laughs> so the last thing you're going to do is open up to, to assistance or even recognize that you need it because your yep. entire focus is on just rising above and moving forward. Mission first. And, Mission yeah. first. When did, and, you, when did you get out? Just to keep, I'm um, just asking. Yeah, yeah, I got out in 2011, 2012. Okay. So, if I if another question I could ask. So in 2011, 2012 around that time frame. So, if you had to think about it, what programs were you aware of the programs that you had available to you? No, man, not at all. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, uh I knew the VA existed. I I didn't really know what they were good for. Uh, I mean, I had gone through TAPS in um December of 2011. Now, see ask you a quick question Nate. now apps for me they really didn't let's be 100 percent honest they don't prepare you for any aspect of civilian life nope because for me again i was an 18 year old kid who got out after nine years i didn't know anything else but the marine corps mm-hmm. like i did i did six months in college before i joined the marine corps so i had no one uh, idea about how to pay bills or any like just anything i didn't know how to find an apartment i didn't know nothing you know what yeah. i mean like because my, my whole life was literally the military yeah. so taps i'm sorry to say taps don't teach you shit no and i was lucky i was lucky just on the on the adult life side of things you know i I'd, I'd already i graduated high school early um already got my degree had lived a little bit of adult life and seen some stuff so i had some life experience to fall back on and like you guys were saying, that doesn't exist for everybody. No. A lot of, you know, they go into a culture that, that motivates them, trains them, um, tells them what they can and can't do. There's boundaries. And then you leave and you're a civilian. You've never had to make those decisions on your own. And suddenly, substance abuse is a whole lot easier to do. Mm-hmm. That, that's, <sighs> I was going to say, that's my biggest worry. Because I'm planning on getting out here pretty soen. And I, I joined, I technically en- enlisted at 17 early right so that like all i know is military life and like it's, it's such a uneasy feeling getting out but it's it's help, like i'm great i feel great at the same time but as, it's so, as he as he scratches yeah, and like, stretches oh, i feel great <laughs> um, he's just like but it's so uneasy and, and like you know the programs now like are more are in my opinion better than they were before because now that like everyone's recognizing that you know, this was a problem, so we have to work yeah. on it. So. But there, there still is the flaws. I there, mean, yeah. there, there's still flaws. Um, I still think that I'm, a, I'm gonna be honest. Um, you know, I, and I don't think I can get in trouble for this. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Um, honestly, we're the programs need to get better. There's still no. I do not trust still that I can get out properly. I, I still don't. I feel. I, I. And before, before you, you know, I really don't feel like 
a lot of people are going to be fully prepared to get out because no one really is. But I would say the only thing I would change is giving more time to prepare, right? Because you technically you do all these courses and stuff. If you sign up early, you have more opportunity to take advantage, right? But the thing is, is they're rarely available. Like I registered for SFL tap back in February. I scheduled an appointment that wasn't given to me till this month. You know what I mean? And and then because of that, I wasn't able to take advantage of all the programs before then because they're all filled in already. I mean, we 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 really can't blame it though, because remember, COVID fucked everything up. So that I mean, no, this is a normal thing though. This is, is it really a yeah, normal thing? It's still a normal thing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say the programs themselves don't really need to change as much. It's just like like we always say, the people. Right, it's the people in those positions. It's definitely the people, not the programs. Um, that's a huge part of it. Is just the culture, and if you're part of a, a healthy culture when you're in the military, it's going to be a whole lot easier to transition when you're out. That's another one um, too. Yeah, yeah a healthy but, what? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't never seen one of them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and um, I mean that's one of the one of the things that makes our organization so powerful is because we don't have all the resources, but we don't need them all. We know, all of us in this room, know that the resources exist. Mm -hmm. They're all over the freaking place. We're talking billions of dollars that are put toward veteran support, veteran recovery, um, job placement, uh, medical care, everything you could possibly need. But once again, we're right back to that hyper-masculinity, that culture that we were trained in. Nobody wants to admit they're, they're in need of help. And then once they're out, and they're disconnected from the guys that'll grab them up by the shirt and tell them to fix themselves, you know, they, they start to lose that reason, their, their why for even finding that support. And, and we 100% agree with that because um, we, we, we see that happen. And that's one, of the, that's one of the other situations we deal with now is um, the military mental, like, military mental health is important. Yes, while we're in because we need to be functional. But the part that gets completely forgotten about these days is when we get out, that, that aftermath. Because like you said, we, you, you were a Marine. That's it. That's what you knew. Same thing. You were a soldier. You knew that. That's what you were. Yeah. And then for you to get, have to shift out of that and ultimately become normal is, is how I'm going to say it. Yeah. You know, because in reality, we're not neurotypicals. I think you joined the military. You're not a fucking neurotypical. I don't even know what that word means. So neurotypical is what we call, is what they call normal people. People do, who don't have mental health issues, who don't have um, some type of associated situation with them. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a sociopathy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you're throwing all these big words. Out, bro. <laughs> I joined the army. Right? <laughs> like, I, I feel like, <laughs> like, like, like <laughs> I barely passed the fucking minimum to get in this bitch. Like, I got wavered. Right? <laughs> I got a 19 ASVAB waiver to get in this bitch. What, I, what I'm saying is, is that we are not considered neurotypicals when we get out, yet we're supposed to act like it. We're supposed to act as if we're normal, right? Now, Jeff, yeah, this, I guess is something I've said, this is something I've said to you before, and I'll say this again. Um, I equate people in the military getting out is basically fighting pit bulls, being put into the Westminster dog show and told to be good dogs. I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, like they tell you to sit and be good. Don't bite people. Don't act like a fucking idiot. But how do you not know how to act like an idiot if nobody's ever taught you? Yeah. And, yeah. and you lost and you lost your only form of checks and balances. Your only accountability is gone. And and, and I, I'm not gonna lie. Even now, I, I, I still deal with that even at home. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a type of person where I need a list of shit to do. 
You know, like my wife tells me, hey, you should you should know to do this. And I'm just like, okay, I don't. Write it down. I just recently found out I don't understand what sarcasm is. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I just recently found that out. All, all week, he's been calling me and like throwing these like snarky remarks. And he, I'm like, what did I do to you? And he was like, oh, it's sarcasm. It's like, no. I have no, no, so I have no idea. <laughs> bro, you're being mean, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but me, me and my wife, like we, we spoke about that. And then I was, I was like, look, I can't even do normal shit when it comes down to like, uh, you know, hey, if you write me a list and tell me this, these are the tasks that need to be done today, boom, it'll get done. But if you expect me to know what the tasks are, nothing's going to get done. But that, I got that from the military. You know what's crazy? It's like, I think I'm the same way. I just, you just like opened my head. I was like, that makes so much You see sense. what I'm saying? If like, somebody gave you a, a task list to yeah, do like, at home, I as in. I fucking love that. It would make things a lot easier. Yeah, I never yet, really thought of that. And that's how we've lived our entire lives while in the military. And even now, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If my wife wrote on a piece of paper or on a, a fucking board, hey, pick up your fucking dirty socks. That's what I forgot to do today. And I go do that. But instead, she says, I expect you to know. <laughs> I mean, that makes me a shithead. I'm not going to say a lot of you. But if she if she made it a little bit easier, um, as in writing in the, in the task <laughs> list. <laughs> hey, yo, Dad. Shit easier for you to do it. Like, she got to fucking write on the board, wipe your ass after your shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if you write it down. I forgot to do. If you write it down, <laughs> it makes more sense. We can, we can stay, we can keep with that. But, it, and, and the reason why I'm saying is because that's how we are, though. If you give a service member or any soldier a list of things to do, a task, even if it's fucking monotonous, you're going to be able to do it because you're just going to do it because it's on the task. And when you're done, you're done. Me, read, me, do. Me, read, me, do. Me, pick thing up, me, put thing down. That's it. Activated. <laughs> and that's all it is. Yeah. But, and then we have to go into the real world where we actually have, and I'm going to be honest with you, we have to start making our own the fucking decisions. Service members have to start figuring out, oh, what am I supposed to do with my money? I got so, surger, soldiers who currently live on post, and they've lived on post their entire career. And then they said they wanted to get off post, and now they're broke. Because they've lived so long without that money. But, you know, the military's telling you what to do with everything that you do. Is, mm-hmm. It tells you what to do. And we have to get out and stop being told what to do and start doing shit for ourselves. And just like Todd said, we're just bulldozers. You know, we're pit bulls fighting. Now, once we, go to the, once we go to the neurotypical world... Then we have to go ahead and figure that shit out on our own. It's such a funny word. Yeah, I feel like there's no such thing as a fucking neurotypical. I feel like it's just somebody Neuro. who's fucking insane who thinks they're normal, making other people who are also insane sound normal. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's such a weird word. Neurotypical. Neuro. <laughs> neurotypical. So, so Nate, so how would you get involved in um, the irreverent warriors? Hey, nailed it! <laughs> I got it this time. Did I wait? Did I? Did I fuck? Oh, I, hold on. Wait, uh, hold on. Hey, toolbox did something. Thank toolbox. You. Uh, boss hog? Toolbox. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so um, got into a different type of contracting. Had worked as a DOD consultant, operations consultant, uh, doing more tricky stuff that didn't have me uh, deploying quite as much. But um, I did that up until this last April. But I was in Fort Bragg. Uh, supporting JSOC as a contractor. And then Fayetteville's a beautiful place. Amen. <clears throat> it's it's such a unique, terrible bastard. But um yeah. yeah. Love to hate it. I really do. <laughs> but anyway, I was there and um one of my acquaintances was trying to start the first Silkies hike in Fayetteville. <laughs> so they they weren't getting it done. Uh, I was told it's either going to get canceled or you're going to jump in and do something about it. 
Um, so, so I jumped in and worked with two other individuals to get it done. The whole time, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I mean, as far as I knew, the whole point was just a bunch of dudes on a Saturday that were going to ruck around town and drink. And I was like, that sounds fine to me. I haven't, I haven't done a Saturday like that in a while, so let's do it. And of course, I knew there was some sort of charitable aspect to the whole thing, and uh, I thought that was great. But until I actually went to the event and, and saw the impact, I didn't really realize what our mission was about. I was just making an event happen. Went to my first hike in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And then uh, two months later, I believe, was um, coordinating my first hike in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It was the first hike that had ever occurred there. I had a lot of connections, civilian and military, just from being in town for a while. And so the hike, just smooth as can be, it, it was excellent. Um, that, like I said, the only thing I probably would have done different knowing the mission now is maybe not gone for like 15 miles and broke people off on a hill uh, <laughs> over the last the last like quarter mile half mile of the hike was a was an incline oh no. i did i did that on purpose and the whole time my dumb ass isn't thinking oh hey we got a bunch of like old and broken people that are just trying to be here for their own therapy dude like wow. whatever but anyway um being there being at the event uh you know you watch people that have no idea they had they haven't talked to another veteran in years and something made them get out to the hike, whether it was, you know, somebody else calling them out or them seeing a, a brochure. And they're, they're kind of standoffish, uh, kind of by themselves, observing everything and no crap, a mile into the event, hearing other people that, you know, being a part of an environment that feels like home, that feels familiar and embraces them and their darkness. Um, a mile later, they're, they've found their best friend in the world and they're, they're having a beer at the bar with the intention of just doing that for the rest of their lives. Not the beer part, but, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the hanging out part. But um, that's watching that happen over and over and over, that, that hike, I realized that there was a lot more going on than uh, a ruck on a Saturday. You know, this was, this was people's introduction to the family that they didn't even know they missed. Like, this was, this was not just unconventional therapy, which... Something could be said about rucking around with a bunch of people and having a few beers. Like that's therapeutic in and of itself. Yeah. But but it was more than that. You know, it was it was getting people reconnected to something that was probably going to save their lives. And um, from that point on, uh, I met Donnie and Cindy. Cindy was the national hike coordinator at the time. Uh, Donnie O'Malley is the founder, and they were both at the event. Uh, talked to them, and they said, "Well, this this event went great." Um, do you want to be a bigger part of the organization? And I was like, absolutely not. Um, I'll go to, I'll go to <laughs> look how that worked out. But I was like, yeah, I, I love the organization and I'll keep going to hikes, but I, I don't have time. Like, I'm just not going to have time. Um, so I did go to more events and more events and more events and just started taking a leadership role at the events, trying to change the culture. The initial culture with the Reverend Warriors was a little bit rough. Uh, people did a little bit too much partying. And there comes a point when you don't even remember who you met the day before where those connections aren't effective. So we had to dial some stuff back. No. <laughs> we had to dial some stuff back uh, a little bit, kind of adjust our culture and, and start maturing as an organization. And yeah. I wanted to be a part of that. So um, still, I was holding out. I was like, no, 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 it's not there yet. I don't want to put my name behind this. Uh, I want to be a part of it and help this culture grow, but uh, not yet. 
And uh, then Cindy was made the president and she was trying to pull her team on board. And by that point, I was uh, heavily entrenched in the organization, working with um, social media, public relations and public affairs, a little bit of marketing, just kind of helping where I could and then being a leadership presence at the events. And um, for another three months, I was like, nah, can't do it. Nah, can't do it. And then I realized that my reason for my reasons for not not doing it, not just taking the role, were just bullshit. Um, you know, it was a bunch of of little things like you know prioritizing something that I knew wasn't the priority in my life anymore in my career. Yeah. Um, and and a, a number of other things. And I was told by Cindy and Donnie and a few others, you know, hey man, if we're if you really want to see this culture change, if you want to see this organization grow. You're, you just got to do it, man. So um, I took the voluntary position <laughs> somewhat. I, I, I was coerced a bit, boys. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> That's how it always they, starts. They, they made me the uh, chief operating officer. Uh, we had our first national conference as an organization. Uh, I bumped up uh, all of the different aspects of the organization that I was a part of. And we started really moving toward professionalism, uh, professionalizing the organization. We suddenly weren't a bunch of random events all over the country that were still therapeutic and great. Uh, we, we were an actual 501c3 nonprofit. And uh, seeing that grow uh, was amazing. I'd say two months after I was made chief operating officer, uh, they, Cindy was like, dude, you're, you're the vice president. Board was like, good to go, man. Um, and since then, I've just kept plugging away, trying to do my damnedest. And We've, we keep bringing on amazing leaders from all over the country. Um, the, the influence they've had on the entire culture of the organization as well as the veteran culture has been fantastic. And all that we're just talking about, um, I think, initially boils down to that, that time in your life that for some people, it, it's the rest of their lives. When you exit the military, um, when you exit the service, whatever branch, and you don't have what you had before. You're, you're disconnected, isolated. Um, people start finding unhealthy coping mechanisms. Um, they let themselves go. You know, oh, well, crap, I'm going to eat my pain away or I'm going to drink it away. As soon as your physical health goes, what happens to your mental health? It goes same right with you. Yep, same thing. Um, so, so it's just, and then you're in a trench, you're in a freaking ditch, and clawing your way out gets harder and harder and harder. And 40 years later, you're like, screw it, man, pull the trigger. And, and, and yeah, and that's in reality. That's uh, that's pretty. That's the the age bracket for most male veteran suicides, and, and not not just males, but that's that veteran suicides is usually around that age. Um, and there's something that me and Todd talked about a little while ago. Um, and it re it references what you say, um, what you just said. A lot of we have a lot of veteran brothers and sisters out there. Um, that we work with, but they all work by themselves. They all they're all solo. Yet the entire time we were in the military, we worked together. And, you know, we started this initiative to try and get as many veterans as we can under one roof, um, especially the organizations and stuff. And to, and what you just said that it's a coping mechanism, it's 100% is because it's a, it's a better alternative to suicide. It's a better alternative to drinking. It's a better alternative to eating. Those ruck marches aren't just um, people walking. For civilians, it looks that way. For, for a lot of people, it just looks that way. But it looks when, like a bunch of people just walking. But to us, that's camaraderie. That's what we, we like you said, the things that we missed. 
and honestly, you kind of, I'm going to be honest with you here, you kind of, you're pushing me in a different direction. Because, um, I mean, I've been, I've been real content with staying in. I've been really content with, you know, keeping this where it's at right now. But slowly but surely, that, that little speech you just gave is making me want to pursue what I'm doing here a little bit more um, every single day. Um, and I've been, I've been struggling with that. And it's because I'm, I would miss this camaraderie. I would miss the military portion. <laughs> Shut up, yeah. Todd. Yeah, I see Todd down there listening to you. He's like, I've been <laughs> telling you that shit this entire time. But I, I haven't, I'm too scared to take that step. You know what I'm saying? And I've taken some bigger steps from when I first started to now. From where we first started to ne- currently now where we're at is 100% different. But there's just that one more step that I need to make. And you you said it. <laughs> you said it. And it, it's fucking me up right now. But I, I 100% agree because I think even veterans now that that don't want to get out, it's because of that. Um, They, they fear it, that, that next step. Yeah, that's why I re-enlisted the first time. Well, I was so close to getting out, and I was like, I, I don't, I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. Like, I, I had a whole plan, and then like last second, I was like, oh my god, what if it doesn't work? What if this happens or that? And I was like, I'm, I'm re-enlisting. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I re-enlisted. I re-enlisted. You know, I did five. I did four the first, and did another five. That's what I did. I had no idea what to do. I had like no clue. And then my whole thought process was, I was like, all right, I got to finish college first. Blah this, blah that. Mm. It was like, they're paying 100 percent of my college tuition. I gotta finish college. Like, are you stupid? Like, yeah. yeah. It was like it was like two weeks after I re-enlisted. I was like, wait, like my plan was solid. Like, why did I do this? And then I got orders to Korea, and I was like, oh. yeah. I, right. <laughs> I saw this meme. It was um, it was like the military is like an, uh, it's like an abusive relationship, right? So you know, you it. you hate it, right? And then it, it beats you. It does all these things. Then you have some bomb ass sex. Right, <laughs> then everything is good. You re-enlist, and then boom, right back to abusive relationship. Yeah. And I was like, man, it makes sense. Yeah, it's like when the fucking abuser goes to jail, so you're free, and then you miss him, so you go back after he gets out of jail, and he's sweet, and then he just fucks you up again. Jesus like, Christ, that went your ass so up. dark. You went, you took that. <laughs> oh my god, why was he in jail? I mean, I get it why he would be in jail, but why'd you have to take it there? You didn't oh see that TikTok? <laughs> He's not- like, who jailed that nice yeah. abuser? Yeah. <laughs> who jailed that nice abuser? <laughs> he was just stroking. He, was just, he just had a little spur of the moment. And, and, nice. and, and domestic violence is not funny. And yeah, if you guys want to go ahead and, and check out somebody that actually talks about domestic violence, Jay Marie, um, she is a phenomenal. She runs the It's Effed Up um, podcast. And it is... <laughs> It is phenomenal. Um, she she is uh she's got a very fiery spirit. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, hey, hey Nate, she's a devil dog. By the way, she's a devil dog. So so we're, Nate, would you want to give any advice to younger um to service members who are either dealing with the same things that you dealt with or are trying to start something new? And yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I just went through the same thing. Uh, not the same thing, but another version of what I went through earlier in my life when I was exiting the Marine Corps. And um, I, I held on to my career that whole time. I was, I was working for Reverend Warriors for no monies. Um, and then that meant I had to have a job. So I was still working as a contractor for DOD. And um, between, you know, all, all the different injuries and my mental health, uh, my, my seizure disorder kicked up, um, started having grand malls in the workplace. Um, and I was, I was still stubbornly trucking on, you know, I still had that mentality of, 
no, I'm good. No, I'm good. I mean, I'd go see the doctor and he'd be like, nah, dude, you're killing yourself. And I'd be like, yeah, that's a good one, man. We're all going to die. Right. And then, I, you know, I'd go, go back at it. And, um, you know, knowing, knowing Anna, my significant other has, has, she's been a huge part of my growth and development out of that, that mentality of I've got to do it. I'm just going to keep moving because I'm fine. You know, that Superman mentality that Todd mentioned earlier. Um, so I, I finally, uh, finally couldn't, I had to confront it. Um, we had to pass a class three flight physical to maintain our position in, in the contracting company I worked with and I couldn't pass that physical. Uh, my, my seizure disorder and migraines and everything else were at a point where I could not pass that physical. And once again, devastating, right? Pride took a giant hit and it was, oh, what am I good for? And did all that. Uh, went and saw a neurologist for my compensation and pension exam because uh, the VA recombined all of my ratings and it decreased my, my overall percentage uh, for compensation. So I had to go back through and get reevaluated for everything in hopes that that rating would increase. I'm still waiting, but we'll see. Um, but that process started and I went to see a neurologist and, and he did the same thing. We got through, he looked through my medical records. He looked at the scans uh, and he, he looked at me and he goes, all right, devil, I, I want you to know I was a Navy officer, military officer. And he's like, I'm telling you straight up, you're killing yourself. And I was like, same as always. Yeah, man, I know, but we're all going to die, right? And he goes, nah, dude, you are shortening your life. He's like, the choices you are making are going to determine whether or not you're around when your daughter walks the aisle. You're like, are you going to make your impact on the earth? Or are you just going to bounce because you're committing slow suicide? And I was like, ah, well, I don't have a funny joke about that. So I just took it on the chin. And that, that's changed my mentality like very gradually. Um, but, but it's happening. I'm actually looking after myself and, yeah. uh, look and trying to get my health back on track. Taking that step that you guys were just talking about was difficult as can be. I could have gotten another consulting job. I could have stayed in the intelligence fields and just been like, ah, I'm going to, you know, that non-paying job I'm doing for reverent warriors. I'm, I'm going to let that go and just focus on making bank as a contractor. And, um, I, I didn't. <clears throat> I got to the point in my life where that wasn't my, that wasn't my priority anymore, where I realized that I can make a bigger impact on my family, the veteran community, um, the military community, mental health and suicide, something I'm passionate about helping to fix. I can make a bigger impact there than I could ever make making good money as a contractor or affecting military operations on a tactical level. I fucking and hate you. I <laughs> changed everything, man. So as of April, I uh, quit. I quit being a contractor, put in my letter of resignation, and I work full time for Reverend Warriors. I can say I'm I'm glad. Um, You're hiring. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad you. Yeah, except you we don't pay. No, I'm, I'm gonna say this right now, like real talk, Nate. What you're saying right now is just only confirming what. I do on a daily basis. It's confirming what we all do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I I appreciate you. I appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate I, you too, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate oh, it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, hey, guys, for for you guys listening out there, it, it, the show's over. Go, turn the fucking thing off. That's it. We're done. Um, <laughs> um, no, but um, 
uh, you know, if if Nate would like, you'd probably come to our after night, our after dark section. But <laughs> um, this is just the end of the episode. If you guys want to follow um the irreverent warriors. <laughs> on IG, you guys can. Um, they're on our. You know, we follow them on Instagram. You hit the little follow thing. Follow them. They don't follow back, but follow them. Um, and you know, f- follow us on all our socials. Um, and yeah, Nate, thanks for coming, man. We really appreciate your story, and we really appreciate appreciate what you guys are doing. And yeah, I'm, man. I'm glad you took that step because now you're making me take that step eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, guys. Look up www.reverendwarriors.com. Uh, we have an event page. We have 70 hikes all over the country. We're now, now international. And yeah, make those hard decisions. None. Like, and they're going to they're, <laughs> they're suck in the moment. Uh, we're we're going to hate making them. But in the end, like the results, it's like working out, man. Uh, mental health, physical health. you got to put in the effort, no matter how much it sucks. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen, Amen uh, devil. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> We'll have a talk about not having one in Columbus. I'm confused about that. <laughs> Colum- which Columbus? Columbus, Ohio. The only Columbus. Oh, we got you. Well, come on. We got two of them in Ohio. Cincinnati does not count. Cincinnati. Oh, my <laughs> God. Columbus okay. in North Carolina. Well, 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 guys. This gonna... is Josh Moran. I'm signing out of extra duty. This is Boy Pretzel signing out of extra duty. This is Hercules signing out of extra duty. This is Todd Burkhart signing out of extra duty. Yeah. Sup, guys? I'm going to stick around. you going to do extra, extra duty. He's on yeah. extra, 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 duty. extra duty. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and I hope you guys, you know, keep listening. Enjoy. Uh, thank you.